Thank you, Sue. Prayer is about, it's the triumph of hope over expectations, it really. So I move that to the center. Um, can I just say, it's a pleasure for Janet and I to move here. We realize that for um, us, we've come at just the right time, because you've just spent a year, haven't you, or something like it, working on welcome. And we feel welcomed. We've put on weight. So, uh, merci bien. Thank you very much. And it, we've, we've come from serving the Lord in Yorkshire, in a church there, which is great. So we're all, there we're all used to the aisle, lad, stuff. Now we've got to get used to the, yeah, don't come from around here, do you? <laughs> but we're working on it. We're having given it a go. So it's a, it's a pleasure uh, to be back in the Midlands, really. Uh, we're going to look at the, this passage, and it's a familiar passage. I think many of you probably even know it backwards. And it's always, it's, I think it's a great thrill to look at Scripture a familiar scripture, and find, actually, there's more to it than I thought. So, can we just look at it more closely? And I'd like to suggest that we divide the, uh, what we're going to do into three parts. We're going to look, first of all, at the contribution of others, then we're going to look at God's call to Samuel, and then we're going to look at no half measures. First of all, the contribution of others. The story, we've just had it read to us. It was a time of great change. The, the, the different tribes of Israel were in the process of becoming a nation. Before, they'd just been different clans roaming around the place, each with their own judge or leader. And they got to the stage where they looked around at the, where the power was in the land and they said, we want to be like them. We want our own king. Up to that point, God had been their king and they had judges or leaders as their local leader. So this is the transition from that time when they were just a disparate group into a nation state. And it goes through the whole of the four books, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, and 2 Kings. And a lot of it happens here in, in the book of 1 Samuel. And in, in the book of 1 Samuel, there are three key figures, which you know, don't you? you I mean, this is Aldridge. Pardon? Oh, all right. Who do you think those three might be? Samuel, thank you. Saul, David, that's it. The book of 1 Samuel begins with... Samuel, we're going to look at that in a second, moves on to Saul, the first king, and then finishes by looking at great length at David. And what we've got is those two men of God, Samuel and David, and we've got that man, Saul, who went awry. So together, let's look at the beginning here. Now, I suggest that actually, if we go back, you know the story, a lot of what happens here doesn't depend on Samuel at all. It depends upon others who've cared and prayed for him. The first person to pray is Elkanah, his father. Because his father, every time the time came to do the sacrifice, made a, a pilgrimage to Shiloh, the place where the ark was kept and where people prayed and they gave, made their regular sacrifices. He was a faithful man. Come whatever the weather was, whatever the season was, he went and he took his family with him. He set the tone for that family household. The second person who prayed for Samuel was Hannah. And we heard uh, last week when Nigel was speaking of how Hannah was um, a person who really was bitterly disappointed about being childless uh, and was in great anguish and had uh, somebody rubbing salt in the wood. And she prayed, Lord, if you'll only do this, I will give you back what you give to me. Her prayer. And the third person who prayed is Eli, the priest who was based in Shiloh with his two sons. He prayed. Do you remember when Hannah 
was in the temple praying, and she wasn't saying anything, but her lips were moving. Uh, and Eli looked at her and said, have you been drinking? No, she said, I'm just pouring out my heart to the Lord. And, and, and he prayed, may what God, what you've prayed for, may God give you. Hannah believed the word of Eli as the man of God and went home, and it says, changed her countenance. She believed that in that prayer, that prayer of blessing that Eli gave, that something, her prayer would be answered. And so what we get, the, the, the first thing that I think this passage suggests to us is that although we, we like heroes and individuals, there's a lot that has gone on before to lead to that point. And so I'd like to pose that as a question for you and for myself. Who are we praying for that God will raise up and make to be somebody significant for the gospel who will change the world, make it a better and a different place? It's not just about us. It's about that sort of network of prayer which leads to the emergence of Samuel. I wonder if you know who prayed for you when you were on your journey to faith or as you journeyed along with faith. But the, sometimes the quiet people, sometimes relatives, probably some you will never know, who prayed for you when you were young and a bit of a wayward lad or a lass. Of course, you know, you wouldn't be so sorry. But if you had been, they'd, have, they'd still pray for you. Who prayed for you? Thank you, Lord, for them. But so I'd like to ask you the question, for whom are you praying? That seems to be the first thing that comes from this narrative. This is, this is a community at faith wrestling with what God wants to do, and they're all in it together. Well, I'll leave that as a question for you. We move on then to the actual call we've just had read to us, the call of Samuel. And I think it's really interesting, if you look carefully at what happens, in the call... Samuel is the sort of the innocent, ignorant, young lad. Um, in those days, uh, you might remember that uh, Hannah said, I won't take him to the temple until I finish breastfeeding him. And that, that they would uh, feed children sometimes at the age of three or four. And then when he was that age, she took him and presented him and gave him into the care of Eli. Uh, and, and like a mother, you'd, as you'd imagine, every time she went up, she took a little coat for him or something. He's a growing lad, you know. He must knit something or make something. And so even as Samuel's growing up in the temple, his mum's still coming to support him. Eli's looking after him. And Elkanah's father is still coming. All these three players are still caring for this little lad at the age of three, four, five, just like some of the, the children we had out here this morning. And then when he gets into his early teens, this event happens. So he's lying there, sleeping or about to sleep, and he hears this voice, and we know it. Um, Samuel, Samuel, and he goes, and the first time it happens, he runs, if you look in the text, he runs to Eli. He, he was a whole, the thing I, one of the things I like about Samuel is that he was really wholehearted, and he threw himself into it. So when, the, when he heard that uh, Eli might be calling him, he, got, he jumped up, and he ran to see him, and Eli said, no, go back to bed. Then he heard the voice again, and do you notice, this time he didn't run, he walked a bit circumspectly, uh, hang on, have I got this right? comes in, Samuel says, just go back to bed. Right, he says, he goes and sits down, goes back to bed, lies down. 
And then the third time the voice comes, well, what does he do there? <laughs> do I stay here? Eli said, stay in bed. Well, no, I'll go. So he gets up, he goes all the way, and he says, excuse me, hello, who's that? Is it you again? Because by then, Eli's sight well, it was fading, and it was, it was at night. It, it, it is I, he said, grammarian's note. And he said, yes. And Eli recognized that Samuel was genuinely hearing of God. He was hearing what the Lord wanted to say to him. But Samuel didn't realize it himself. And so Eli had to help Samuel to understand that what that word was, was a word from the Lord. And Samuel went back. And the next time the voice came, he said, here am I. And God spoke to him and gave him the message about the future for Eli. A dreadful message too. And this middle part of the passage leaves us with Samuel in bed thinking, what on earth am I going to say in the morning when Eli asks me? Isn't it interesting that Samuel needed help to hear the voice of the Lord? What does that say to us, we who are New Testament people? What changed in the New Testament? Well, if you think quickly, Pentecost changed it. Because in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on everybody, not just on priests, prophets and kings and craftsmen and people who did special jobs. Every single person was invited into the community of the Spirit. That's all of us. And do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, do you know, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. Why? Because I tell you what I'm going to do. We have a conversation. And the disciples said, yes, Lord, we're having conversations all the time. Yes, he said, and that is how it should be. We will have conversations now when I'm with you, and we'll have conversations after I've gone through the Spirit. Do you uh, remember Dad's Army? To some of you. I've read about it. <laughs> and I've seen a bit on gold, you know. I don't know whether you remember... The, um, who, what was the name of the captain? Very quick, yes. <laughs> and the corporal? Yeah. I remember uh, one of the episodes where the choir, for some reason, which used to practice in Mannering's office was told they couldn't, and they had to practice in the room where all the, the soldiers, the, the, the home guard, gathered. And so we had the, 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 there they were, there was a whole line of them, and there was Mannering at the end, and Corporal Jones runs up to Mannering, snaps to attention, salutes him, and said, parade ready for inspection, or something like that. And just at that moment, the choir was learning a new chant. Do you remember chants? They used to do psalms to them, and Anyway, the way you learn it, there are four parts, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, and you used to hum the tune before you put words to it. Yeah? So suddenly there was this chord, four voices blending with no words, just hum like that. And Jones looks at Mannering, and he's a bit discomforted by this, and he says, Captain Say, he says, I think I'm going, he said. I'm hearing voices, and then collapses, bang on the floor which was uh, beautifully done. 
Now, there are people for whom their mental condition does actually mean they hear voices, and those are not the voices of God. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about ordinary Christians. Did you know that your birthright is to hear the voice of God? To be personally addressed by God. When I do children's talks, which occasionally happen, you know, children, they say, oh, yeah. And I say, well, let's see if I can help you understand it. Look at the person on your left, and they all look like this. Then I say, look at the person on your right, and they all look like this, or though they sometimes get it wrong. I said, now, God loves the person between the person on your left and on your right. And you can see the wheels click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like that. But that's what it is. In the new covenant, we are invited into a community in which God is alive and speaks and considers us to be his friends. From where I stand now, you look at a motley crowd, the nicest possible way. Honest. You'd like me to take a picture and put it on the... Or Rob will do it, and then you can look at yourselves. But do you know what the Lord sees? He sees people who are dear to his heart. He sees people who think are really fabulous. He sees people who have wrestled and struggled and have kept going. He sees others who are still wallowing in not knowing what to do. And he loves you hugely. He looks at you and says, you are my friend. The lovely thing about friendship is that you don't earn it and you can't request it. It's a gift from somebody else, isn't it? My heart goes out to children who come back after playtime and say, I haven't got any friends to play with. Don't you? If you're a parent, what can you do about it? You can pray, but you can give them one or two opening lines. Like, my dad's a pilot, or I don't know, something that might start something. The Lord looks at you and says, you are my friends. And so, my second question, I suppose, that we can learn from Samuel is the, the art of recognizing the voice of God to us, to you, to me. I think the best way of recognizing the voice of God and to making sure you don't confuse it with the, the curry you had last night um, is to say to others, I think this may be of God. Could you just check it out for me? And that way, together, we'd have a better chance of saying, ah, that was God. Yeah. Sometimes what we think is God is, is not God at all. I was at a conference where we were learning about healing, and that's a whole other story. But in it, um, we had a little group. We were encouraged to listen to God and pray for the people in the way that God showed us how to pray. The secret of healing is that, is to listen first, uh, as Samuel did, and then to pray what God gives you to pray. And so this girl comes up and says, please, and then they say in this conference, would anybody here like prayer for healing? Up went the hands, people gathered around, there'll be prayer ministry today afterwards if you want. And this girl said, I've got a pain in my back. And so this little group gathered around her, and the lovely thing about it was they all, they all were just praying quietly and silently. And then this chap says, I'm not sure whether this is from God or not. You'll have to confirm it or not, I don't know. But this is what's coming to my mind as I was praying. I think God is saying to you, to this lass here with a bad back, that you need to go home and put things right with your parents. And she broke down and sobbed for ages. And she said, it's, it's horrible at home. I don't know where to turn or what to do. 
And so the guy said, may we pray for you? And so that, that group then prayed for her. And what they prayed for was that she, the Lord would lead her and, and help her put things right at home. She came with what she felt was her need. and wanted, She wanted God to do something. But those people who were praying listened and said, Lord, what should we speak to us? One of the, the chaps who helped me in, in the ministry of healing was a guy who said, he, he had a, a, a kind of ministry of touring and healing. He said, David, he said, shall I tell you the secret of how I do my ministry? Well, I said, yeah. I'm a, a keen young Christian. You're always glad to know aren't you? the tricks of the trade. So, yeah, he said, well, we have a community service. Then people come up afterwards and pray. And they kneel down. I put my hands on them and I pray for them. I said, yeah. He said, and I pray like this. Because he, always, he always looks very holy when he's doing it. He said, dear Lord, I have the faintest idea who this is. All on earth is wrong with them. And the Lord says, yeah, I know. <laughs> he says, see, please, will you show me how to pray for them? Because I don't even know how to begin to pray for them. He said, and so when I pray for them, I listen. And I listen. And I listen. And I pray what I'm given. He's given things because he listens. Janet and, I, uh, Janet and I, our story is the same. We, we were called to, say, to serve the Lord up in Bradford. Uh, you know, people used to say to us, what are you doing next? I was on the staff at the cathedral in Birmingham as the commission uh, board. And uh, I said, we're going to Bradford. And there was this pause. Bradford. The Dales are very nice, they say. <laughs> then they say, what on, why on earth are you going to Bradford? Because Jesus asked us to. Oh, yes, of course, yeah, yeah, of course, they say. But that was it. What has the Lord said to you lately? He longs to speak to us as friends have conversations. So here we see Samuel was addressed by the Lord and his friends, prayerful friends, help him understand what was going on. And so... Do you expect to hear from God? Wouldn't it be great if we just had 10 minutes in the service? You'd be relieved to know we can't today. Um, where we could just say, what has God been saying to you this week or, or recently? And people just shared that. And others would say, I've been praying forever and I don't hear anything. And I'm really upset by that. How do I address that? Do you know, the Lord knows. He understands. And we can address even those who are stuck. The third part is then Samuel sleeping there with this message that he'd been given from God. It was that judgment was coming on Eli's family, that Eli had disappointed God by the way he'd let his two sons uh, abuse their position as priests. So if you read, he gets up and he says, he doesn't know what to do really. He's a wholehearted lad, but he, he can't quite do it. So he goes to Eli, and Eli says, what did the Lord say? And he sort of mumbles, no, says Eli, tell me what the Lord said. He needed encouragement to speak and to speak plainly. And that's what he did. He told him what he'd been told. He said, this is what God has said. I can only pass it on. And Eli said, thank you. May God do what is good in his eyes. The thing that, it, that I think impresses me is that Samuel didn't water it down and didn't, as it were, only give the good news. 
he spoke as he felt he'd heard, and he allowed Eli to confirm whether that was right from God or not. So we offer what we think God has said to us to others, and they'll confirm it. We don't have hotlines where we can tell the world we know, but we know that in the community of faith, God will help us all to understand. Samuel was not half-hearted. He was whole-hearted. He wanted to do what God wanted, even sometimes when it was awkward and difficult. And I think that's something that I would like to commend for you and for myself. Are you whole-hearted or half-hearted? Uh, I was uh, uh, ordained as a minister by one of those very old-fashioned bishops um, who uh, was, he was a very tall, imposing man. And when he walked into a room, everybody went quiet because he had this big sense of presence. He was a big person, he was a big presence and all of that. Uh, I think, actually, he slightly enjoyed it, but that's another story. And he said to me, David, he said, do you know, he said, I had to write a letter the other day to one of my ministers. Dear blogs, he said, I'm a bit concerned for your witness and ministry because I've had no letters of complaint recently. <laughs> you see, if we are wholehearted, we'll be more like Jesus and less like the cultural values of the world. They don't fit. The Church of England is not the Tory party at prayer. Well, you probably know that now, I know, anyway. <laughs> we are not just culturally good citizens with kind words and slightly less blue sense of humour. We are salt and light. Leaven. So, has anybody complained about your witness? It doesn't mean that your witness necessarily was brilliant, and you may actually have brought complaints for all the wrong reasons. But that instinct was right. If we are following Jesus wholeheartedly, we will be people who don't fit in. And the world needs us not to fit in. If we fit in, we've lost our cutting edge and the world suffers. We need to be people who, when we're around, there's something different about them and that I hope we're winsome and the aroma of Christ is attractive. But at the end of the day, we march to the beat of a different drum. We follow what Jesus wants us to do, not what the world thinks is acceptable or cool. And that's what I see in Samuel. He was all or nothing. So let us be all. So those are the three questions that I'd like to leave with you from this passage. Um, what's the source, what's the energy that drives a person to do this? Well, I think it's quite simple. It's the fact that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much, he considers you to be his friend and he wants others to experience it too. And I remember a story, you can, you can tell me whether it's true or not, uh, of a family service where a little boy was sitting there and he heard the preacher explain that Jesus loves everybody, even the little boy sitting in the, in the chairs over the back. And he thought, that's me. And he said, if you want to know that love of Jesus, give yourself to him completely and you'll discover it. You know, Christians, sometimes Christians who struggle to hear the Lord have partly because they've got divided loyalties. 
If you give yourself wholeheartedly, the sense of hearing improves, I've discovered. And so this little boy thought, right, I don't know where he was, 10 or something, I'm going to do this. And so he didn't know how to do it because the preacher finished and the, and the service went on and there was the, then there was the collection. And in that church, they had those big plates that go around, not these little bag things. These are these big plates, you know, the big brass ones. So as the plate came along the line, this little lad said, I want to give myself wholeheartedly to Jesus. So he climbed onto the plate. And they got it to the end of the row. And, and the, you know, the two wardens thought, what do we do now? And being Anglicans, they said, well, whatever happens, we should make it look as if it was intended. <laughs> so they carried the plate down to the front of the church with this little boy sitting on it. That's what it means to give yourself to Jesus wholeheartedly. What I'd like to do is let us reflect. If there's something in this sermon that's, that's spoken to you, uh, brilliant. And if not, well, uh, please, Lord, speak in the quietness. To have a moment of quiet and ask just, Lord, is there anything that you want to say to me now this morning from this or from other, any other parts of the service? And then I'd like us to sing that mighty to say, that great hymn, which just retells how people, the first thing we want to say is that it is God's love for us, how he's mighty to save, that is the engine, the energy, the source of our wanting to be a disciple and to follow Jesus. And so let us now, just in a moment or two of quiet, uh, look at those three questions and say, Lord, do you want to say something to me through these? May we just be quiet. Lord Jesus, here are we before you. Help us to listen and as you speak to us, to obey wholeheartedly. For we ask it in your name. Amen.